0: Your pencils and get your notebooks out. It's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Benton.
1: Welcome, faithful scholars of Cowboysology, to another edition. Of the Star Seminar, your PhD lesson in all things Cowboys, team taught, nay, it's not taught, it's led by two pilgrims who spent the week in Oxnard, California, watching training camp practices and want to talk to you about them. I, of course, am Dr. Rabble Rouser, and I was joined in pilgrimage by the great Dr. Danny Phantom. How are you today, sir? Uh,
0: you know, I've, uh, I've seen better days, raps. uh, as you know, uh, in Oxnard I found myself with a little cold so I got through one day of practice uh hanging out with you guys and, and you uh, got cowboy fever oh man I, I don't know what it was but um yeah just suddenly I, I got sick which uh honestly it's it's very uh very frustrating I have to say I with I have this these big vacation plans and you know you're trying to to do all this, all this stuff with with your family, and then all of a sudden, you know, and I, I, I gotta be honest with you, Ravs, I hardly ever get sick. I just, I just maybe once every couple of years, uh, just so the fact that it's happening now is just it makes me very angry, and you know, this whole trip is, you know, it's kind of like been one little, you know, wrench after another. You know, as you know, I told you earlier, you know, you the the drive up here it took l- longer than expected cuz we were making a lot of uh, bathroom uh stops. Uh, I'm glad to report that my uh my granddaughter is doing well there right. um, in that apartment, but here I am in uh in a hotel in Anaheim. Um hoping to just have enough strength, you know, for for our Disneyland uh trip tomorrow. But you know, I have to say just it's been very disappointing. I wasn't able to hang with you um you know on the thursday practice like i wanted to and uh just feel like uh things just haven't been going you know very well so you know i just want to ask you raps is you know can you think of a time when um you know just nothing seemed to be going right for you you tried to do something but just nothing was working out
1: yeah, the the one that jumps out is a real obvious one, and it's kind of a downer. Um, but yeah, I mean, in a way, uh, it was one of those things where everything went wrong all at once, and it didn't just go wrong; it went horribly wrong. And so uh, there was like a two week period back in like nineteen ninety seven when I uh, my girlfriend broke up with me, I I lost my job, I was trying to lead this project, and it wasn't it just wasn't working, and I found out my mom had like stage three or four cancer which she's now survived so it's not it's not you know at the time it seemed a lot more dire than it it does in retrospect and i mean it was like that was a that was a two week uh for you know uh for the ages um you know shakespeare is famous for saying in, in hamlet uh he says something that, to the effect of when woes come in, they not they they come not in as single spies, but as battalions and sort of one of those things were like, you know, the, it's like the, the rule of three things come in in waves. So hopefully, you know, you're just you're just a, 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 at the bottom of of a bad wave and you'll be cresting it soon and it'll be, you know, uh, sunny horizons going forward. Speaking of sunny horizons going forward, we have quite an agenda here today, my friend. We are going to take a look at a recent article by the great John Machoda over at The Athletic in which he asked some questions and actually offered up some thoughts about some of the keys to the new Mike McCarthy offense. And I really wanted to have an opportunity to talk to you about that because in looking at camp, um, my thoughts in the day that we attended, and I want to get your thoughts about this too, was that the defense in its third year with Dan Quinn and the fact that there's so many guys coming back, they're playing at a PhD level. I mean, they are really good. Micah Parsons, destroying things. Guys aren't getting open coverage is a blanket. And so it feels like the defense is in terrific shape, but the offense remains an open question. Um, So that's my take. Before we get into talking more about, about uh, the, the offense, I'd love to hear what your thoughts were about, the day you were able to join us at camp,
0: yeah, I mean, it just other than this, I think this one uh, little um, two point conversion um, mm-hmm. drill they did, where where the offense made some nice plays uh, to 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 win on the defense, outside of that one little stint, it was it's just been utter dominance basically by the defense, and I mean, and obviously too, I feel like. Micah Parsons is just—I mm. mm. mean, every play he's just destroying whoever's trying to block him, and, and sometimes I feel like he's maybe even just pulling back some just because it's—I don't know—either the game has slowed down for him, you know, so this much or I don't know what, what, how to describe it because that guy just makes it look so easy, and I mean, if if you didn't think Mike, Micah Parsons. Was one of the best defensive players in the league already. I think he. I think he's going to set the league on fire this year. I mean, from what everything that we're seeing, he's, he's just he's just incredible. So, I mean, honestly, you just go down the line, and you know this, the defense is just fantastic. Um, I think that there are certainly some areas. Uh, you know, we talked about before with maybe some some depth uh, issues at and then secondary, but. Uh, outside of that very impressed with the defense but like mm-hmm. you said raps offense different story it's, you know there's there's gonna, we're all going to be holding our breath to, to find out if some of the things that plagued us last season are still present so you know that that to me I'm going to be real curious about
1: yeah uh, me too and so uh, this is an, I think this is probably the first in several conversations we'll have about about the the new look you know, whatever you want to call it, the Tex Coast offense. Um, so, the great John Machado, who's been a guest on on the podcast and is always invited to return because he's fantastic, wrote an article um, late last week, uh, in t- which he titled "Identifying the Biggest Changes to the Cowboys' Offense with Mike McCarthy Calling Plays." So, I think this is something that's, that that uh, is going to be really instrumental in the Cowboys' success this year. You know, how is the offense going to be different? How is the play calling going to be different? So, he isolated four categories. Want to kind of break down each of those categories and talk about both what we've learned in the off-season, the longer off-season, but also what we've seen in camp thus far in terms of the various categories that Mishota identifies. However, before we get to that, my friend, I would like for you to take on this particular brain teaser. So we're talking about the Mike McCarthy offense. If you look at Mike McCarthy You know, for the most part, other than years in which his quarterback has lost significant time, he's been a winner. He's been he's been the kind of guy who takes teams to the playoff playoffs year after year after year. Let's say hypothetically this year he takes the Cowboys as far as the NFC Championship game. Whether they win it or not is is let's say they don't. Okay. Let's say he, he takes them that far. At the end of the year, if he if he manages to do that, where do you rank him? in the pantheon of Cowboys coaches in, you know, in the Cowboys coaches historically, where does he end up ranking then if that, if he's able to pull that off?
0: Who? Well, you know, that's a difficult question. Rabs. I, uh, you know, you know, me and I'm a look past the results kind of guy. And I don't necessarily believe that winning a game to get you over to the next level is necessarily, and you know, points to any greater level of ability than... I mean, we know how things go when you get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I would say, like, right now I have him. To me, he's just very he's very Wade Phillips-ish. I think that he, he inherited a good football team, as did Wade Phillips when he followed Bill Parcells. Um, and, you know, he's, he's fine, um, but he hasn't done anything really that... The previous coach has has been able to do so. I, to me, I, I, right now he's raked right way. So I have I have Landry, um, uh, Jimmy Parcells, uh, Garrett, and then Phillips and McCarthy right now. that's wow! So, so he's basically right ahead of uh, what Chan Gailey. Yeah, he had exactly. But yeah, Gailey. So it'd be Gailey, Campo, and then of course you know I loathe Barry Switzer. So that's my there's my list. Uh, so yeah, that's it. But in, wow. So, but he's. I mean, if somebody said, "Well, he should be ahead of Wade Phillips," I wouldn't fight anybody on that. So I mean, so he to me, they're the same coach. Um, so if he's able, let's say he's able to win twelve games for the third year in a row, you wouldn't have him above Parcells. Well, so that's the thing. Now, if, if what one thing that he has been able to do, which is something that Jason Garrett's team ha- hadn't, is put together you know the, the Cowboys went to the playoffs back-to-back seasons 2-12 mm-hmm. season. mm-hmm. so he's got that going f- for him and uh so I would say if he does it again and regardless of even if they don't go to the NFC championship I would say that it's you could make a case that he, you go know, he can. I would definitely put him ahead of Wade Phillips and um and then I, I don't know Parcells and Garrett yeah, I guess I still feel like that's it's splitting hairs. Just I, I don't necessarily uh, I, NFC Championship. It, it's something we haven't done in in, in what seems like forever. So mm-hmm. it, it would be really hard for me to to make a case that he doesn't belong ahead of those guys. Um, do I personally see him as a coach that belongs ahead of? A, I mean, you know how I feel about this this team's roster building. You know how I feel about Dan Quinn. Uh, I mean, you know how I feel about a lot of things with so this. The, the the way this team operates i think they're really loaded in talent so um mm-hmm. it's it's almost like there's no excuse for him not to have you know some level of success so that's that's right where, where do you where, so where do you put him well i think that you know if we look at the number of
1: cowboys coaches that were able to take three te- teams took the playoffs in three or more consecutive years we're really talking about three guys right we're talking about Parcells, and Jimmy and then we're talking about Barry but Barry did it uh, you know, 94, five and six, and then, and then fell off. And I think we can all agree that he inherited the best roster in football when he, when he took over. Right. So, so I think he, he, you know, we can certainly give him an asterisk. If McCarthy's able to do that, he'll do something that nobody's been able to do since then. And um I don't know. I mean, I think that that's, that's a pretty impressive feat and, and it may be, You know, even if you go 12 and five and lose in the divisional round, that's still pretty impressive. And I think that, you know, if, if so that's sort of why I I made the caveat or made this, you know, the condition that he wins the NFC uh, or not wins, but gets to the NFC championship game, because I feel like that would be three consecutive playoff, you know, teams, three, uh, you know, one of whom goes to NFC championship game. He'd be in rarefied air. And so I think we'd have to consider him. Now what you know I think an argument arguments can be made in multiple directions, but I think we have to consider him in the top three
0: i think what I what would do it for me, raps is if the offense looked so good like it was mm. like yeah. it's like now I understand why you know they had to move on from kellen Moore you know and, and McCarthy came in, come, comes in puts his stamp on things, and just has everything situated where where things are simpler and, and things are working like they're supposed to, and then he is the answer. And I mean, that's what—that's the part of looking past the results. If if that's part of it, and that that helps us get to where, you know, where the Cowboys go to the next level, then absolutely he deserves his flowers. Well, I, and you've just provided us with an
1: excellent segue for our topic of the day, right? Which is, uh, you know, can his can his offense. Uh, accomplish what you just articulated so let's let's take a look at mashoda's article as i said a, a moment ago he broke um these sort of questions or the biggest changes down to four categories i actually want to take these on in reverse order so uh, we're going to go four three two one um and the first of these uh that we're taking which is actually number four in mashoda's article is personnel changes right so um i think that's i think that's really important so l- let's talk about let's talk about you know, how are the Cowboys, how is the Cowboys personnel different than it was last year under Kellen Moore?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, there's a few things. I mean, I, th- I think the biggest one is the trade for Brandon Cooks. And you look at, you know, um, having that second receiver who is, uh, has the ability of uh, uh, Brandon Cooks. And that's one thing too, revs that's, really jumped out at me in practice too is when i first saw brandon cooks it's like oh yeah i forgot he was that's sm- that small you know he's, he's not a tall guy and uh, and then i watch him play and catch passes and he doesn't play small at all so i mean brandon cooks is legit he's just such a great player i mean and i i mean that just so i'm so happy that the cowboys made that trade so i think brandon cooks is a is a big a big thing uh he hit the Adding that um, ability to create separation, the speed that he has is going to add so much to this team. So I mean that's a big one. And then um, I don't, after that, it's you know we obviously we don't have Ezekiel Elliott, and we're going to go through a different uh, running back regime now. You know Pollard's the lead dog. Uh, what that means, I don't know as far as how it's going to look, as far as mm-hmm. who's getting the carries. Is where we're going to see more passes out of the backfield? Not sure. And then of course the swap from Schultz to Schoonmaker, um, and of course Schoonmaker is not, you know, he's dealing with a, a foot issue at the moment too. So, um, yeah, so I mean, you have that, and I mean, you also have some of the things you expect to get better type things, which is the uh, healthier My- Michael Gallup and the supposedly uh, the info that we get is how much Jalen Tolbert has, has grown. So, um, I, I, couldn't recall any instances really what I saw from Tolbert that made me think oh yeah I, I see it um so I haven't seen anything there running backs I can't tell you anything it's hard to I mean they're catching pa- short passes um it's hard to say anything with that but um yeah those are those are personal changes I mean what do you think what what do you think when you, when you look at what's different now and you know how that's going to affect this new Cowboys offense
1: I think for for you know in comparison to last year, I want to look at three players and and then I think that they'll illustrate sort of where I'm going with this. The first one is the guy you already mentioned, Brandon Cooks, so Brandon Cooks has crazy speed, right uh but I think the one of the things you mentioned was he's also a good route runner and he can attack offenses both vertically and horizontally, and so um you know, I think that there's a versatility there because. You know, he can beat you over the top, but that's not the only thing he can do. He can also out quick you underneath and get and like get open quickly and then get some yak because he is so explosive and so sudden. Um, so I think there's a lot of versatility to his game and and where you can line him up and how you can use him as a result of the things that he can do. Both, you know, as I said, short and and, and long and both vertically and horizontally. But there's there's a couple of other guys I think that are really interesting who, who bring some versatility. One, uh, one of course is um, Devontae Turpin, who's now be, you know shown us that he's got legitimate receiving skills. Uh, he's he's catching passes um, both short and intermediate, and uh, you know he's he's we've seen him a couple times on jet sweeps or or, or, or in sort of these sort of orbital you know or, orbital uh, moves behind the quarterback. I think they're going to try to integrate him into the, into the offense and sort of like the lucky whitehead way, you know, where he's doing a variety of things, but if he can be a guy who's both a threat in in the, in the running game as a sort of counter, but also can do something in the passing game. I think that gives them a level of versatility. And then there's two running back types uh, who I think are very versatile players. They're both rookies though. So I'm not sure how much they're going to contribute, but I think they, they can offer a level of versatility. And that's an, that's Hunter Lupke. Who's a sort of, you know, he's, he's not, he's not a fullback per se. He's more of a kind of H back or like, you know, big power tailback, but he, uh you know, he can catch passes. He can line up all over the formation. He can play tight end. He can play fullback. He can play tailback. There's a lot of things he can do. He can catch passes. He's got a little bit of wiggle. Um, so I think there's a lot of things he can do and, and there's, he's not necessarily a tell when he goes into the, in, into the, uh, huddle, it could be a run or a pass. I think he can help on both. And then the other guy, of course, is Deuce Vaughn. I think Deuce Vaughn is going to be a really interesting weapon and, and w- will give them some versatility, particularly like, you know, if they can run clear out routes and give him a little bit of space and get him in the ball in space, I think he can do some things, but he can also run up the middle. I mean, so he's not a tell when he goes in there. It's not like, oh, okay, here comes a pass. Cause the, cause the little guy's in. He can, run, he can run between the tackles. So I think that in the past, one of the things that Kellen Moore wanted to try to do was to run a, you know, a lot of the same plays, but uh, out of different formations. And he really wanted to try to formation you to death and confuse you by uh, simplifying things for the offense, but uh, but confusing the defense by running the same plays out of different formations. I think what... Um, but. We're we're looking at more with the McCarthy offense here. Is that he wants to versatile you to death. So he wants to get the same you know same eleven guys in, but he can line them up different places, right? So that you can't tell how they're going to deploy, and that even even once they're lined up different places, they, it still could be a run, could be a pass, could be a jet sweep, could be some sort of counter motion. You know who knows what it's going to be. And so I, I get the sense that there is a shift from formations to versatility, and that actually brings me to the next item on mashoda's list because the next thing that he was talking about was that um, under the mccarthy regime he wants everyone to be on the same page and one of the things that cd lamb offered as a quote substantiating that from mashoda was that uh, mccarthy's offense features players versus plays and that does seem to suggest that there's a sense of like we want versatile guys who can make plays versus a bunch of plays where, you know, we're scheming, we're scheming uh, things, um, you know, by different formation, et, et cetera. At least that suggested to me. So in terms of everyone being on the same page, any thoughts about, about that um, in the McCarthy versus Kellen Moore offenses?
0: Well, I mean, the first thing that jumped out at me is, you know, when you bring up everyone being on the same page and, and in the you bring up C D specifically, I I just keep thinking back to basically that Green Bay game, you know, where, um, mm. you know, where Dak thinks, you know, his receivers going one way and, and they end up going a different way. And I, I, I get a little bit concerned about when I hear things like simplifying because <laughs> I know that there are times where things can, well, I don't want to use the word vanilla, but if you keep things, um, too simple, you become predictable, and you know mm-hmm. it's you know you definitely want to have uh, some complexity to your offense, and so I don't know. I, I feel like when I hear that, I what I sometimes what I hear is our players aren't capable of executing under those conditions, so we're going to have to kind of pull it back a little bit, you know, make things. A, more simple to where mm-hmm. maybe they don't mm-hmm. have to think as much and and everyone has a more defined role and stuff and, and you don't get these uh, mix-ups and communications. So that has me a little bit like, hmm, you know, I, I don't necessarily know what to think of that. I mean, that it could be good. I mean, if, if 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 that is what was ailing us, is if maybe we were just a little bit too all over the place and maybe, you know, Kellen and everything that he was doing, it just had everybody a little bit turned around, um, but it, it also could, it could also be a, a little too bland and a little too um, predictable. So I, I don't know how I feel about that one.
1: My first instinct or my fear anyway, is exactly what you've just said, right? That, that you have to do that because the players um, are struggling with, you know, a higher level of complexity. And I think that, you know, the high level of complexity really manifests in passing plays where uh, people have, you know, multiple receivers have option routes, depending on what the defense is doing. And so what you're really relying on is a quarterback and as many as three receivers. All being on the same page so sometimes you, you know you think about oh quarterback and receiver on the same page that's all well and good but if that receiver's route depends on someone else clearing something out and and you know and the way in which that clear out happens you know uh, is dependent upon everybody reading something the same way or sometimes if you have a you know let's say you have a you know a play action pass and you have receivers at three different levels like the the, the distance between them is all you know, each one of them's reading the same thing that becomes very complicated. It's, it's a big ask to have four guys be on the same page. You know, it's not just two. Oftentimes it's, it's, it's more than two, as many, as many as four oftentimes I think. And so um, I think that is, that is a big ask. And so one of the things that it seems like is happening now is that there really aren't any more option routes, right? So I think that the idea is there's route combinations that work and there's other ways They're scheming guys open, so rather than read the defense on the fly, they're trying to find things uh, that will, uh, so that, you know, Dak, who's very good at pre-snap reads, he's one of the best in the league at pre-snap reads, can look at it, look at that, trust his read, and he knows where everyone's going to be. And the other thing is, when we talk about everyone being on the same page, the extension of that is, if... If, if, you know, wide receiver, let's say Cooks, knows that his responsibility, because the ball is supposed to go to Lamb on this particular play, who's running like, let's say he's running a deep end, that Cooks' responsibility is to run a sort of like medium crosser to pull the coverage away and open up a hole for Lamb. Like he knows he's supposed to do that. And so he he understands his responsibility more clearly within the greater scheme of things. And 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 C.D. Lamb talked about that as well. He said that he sort of admitted that people weren't on the same page and that everyone's seeing it like the quarterback does. And so I think that that's really key is that, it, you know, the idea is if you see this coverage, you run this route, your responsibility is to do this and, and so that this thing can happen. And if, and if everybody understands that, then I think it's a lot easier to execute that. And you're not you're not doing so as the rush is bearing down on you, you, you know, or as as co- coverage is rotating. You're doing that, you know, at, at pre-snap, and so um, I, I think that that I think that's uh, you know a, a really interesting way to think about or, or to get everybody on the same page. I also think that, um, and this this it, it leads me into the next the next sort of category that Masuda offered in his article which is that and and our good friend friend of the friend of the podcast landon mccool uh at mccool bcb for those of you who are big twitter folks um who i saw who i sat with at every one of the practices and had a lot of conversation with about the cowboys and what's going on and, and many of these very topics uh, one is he he pointed out that's happening and, I, that, and that i agree with is that um, they're using motion differently now. So that it used to be under Kellen Moore that they used motion largely to identify coverage, right? So that it, you know, it was one of those things that helped Dak with this and everybody else, really, with a pre-snap read. Guy goes in motion, guy goes with him. Okay, they're in man. Guy doesn't go with him. They just adjust a little bit. Okay, they're in zone. That helps me with my option route, right? It feels like, and this again leads me into my next uh, my next point. By Amishota is that they're using motion now to help get early separation. So it's not it, it it's not that it's not to identify coverage, but that it's really a way to get people open early. And I think that that's going to be a really big key. So this leads me to the next the next one, which is getting the ball out quicker. So uh, any thoughts about this idea uh, or things you saw at camp in terms of, or even if you want to extrapolate on on the the um. The kind of situational period that that you referred to earlier, where they were running two point conversions, and and it was a kind of mojo moment, I think, for for McCarthy, and and they announced that you know uh, best out of five, and so we were thinking, okay, defense is probably going to win two, you know, three or four of these, and the offense won all five, um, and they won all five in many respects by getting the ball out early. So I'd love to hear from you know without getting too far ahead of us here. I'd love to hear from you about anything you saw or anything you've heard about about this idea of getting the ball out quicker for Dak.
0: No, I I think this is fantastic because I mean, it, one thing I've noticed about Prescott is, especially over the last couple of years in particular, is his internal clock. I mean, it's there. There is a point where it, where, it, where it, that it reaches, and he Dak's he's not going to hang in the pocket any longer. So. If he, if he can't get the ball out by a certain time, you're most likely going to see him break the pocket. And um, so I think that the, for the Cowboys to be successful, that it's going to involve Dak having to, I, I don't want to say trust his reads because we don't necessarily know that, that, it, you know, it may maybe there just wasn't places for him to throw the ball, but you know, having being able to have guys get open to where he can, you know, get get rid of the ball, you know, quicker and through his progressions and in using that motion to help create that separation is I mean that I think that's gonna be huge. And you know, I saw two things at, at camp. I saw a lot of these quick passes, you know, and what Dak did not you know, he was able to find whether it was Cooks or Turpin or uh running back, you know, out of the backfield you know, Dak would, you know, found them quickly. You know, I saw that, and I saw other moments where the coverage was just too too stiff. Dak had yeah. nothing, and he, I mean, he had no choice, and then next thing, I mean, the, the, obviously they would be sacks, but basically you just had Dak kind of prancing around a little bit with the ball, and then he would throw it somewhere. Um, so, I mean, that that's hard to evaluate, too, because of the the defense was just doing such a great job in coverage, but... Uh, I, I, I like seeing that. I like seeing, um, you know, Prescott being able to to get the ball out quick. The, the only mm-hmm. thing that um, I will say, though, is it, it, it creates a lot of short stuff. And unless you have receivers that can do something with it, and, you know, that, that's not to say the Cowboys don't, because, you know, you look at Ka'Vante Turpin, you get him in space, or Brandon Cooks, you know, you, I, we know what he could do in space. uh, uh you know, the, they have the ability to, to, to turn in yards after the catch, but um, the Cowboys are also going to have to find success uh, with deeper throws. So, but I definitely like there to be more options for Prescott and ha- for them to give, give him a little help in using that motion to, to help his receivers um, you know, create separation.
1: Yeah. So I think that there's three things that, that I saw in, in the three practices that I watched that I think speak to this idea of getting the ball out quicker. So the first one is the one I, I basically let us in with um, that you just identified, which is uh, using using motion to help get early separation. Um, the other is uh, they, they they passed a lot out of, out of really tight condensed or bunched formations. And so I think one of the things that that does is it creates these kind of free releases or natural rub routes you know that that help get guys open and so i think the best example of of what we're talking about here and what michaud is getting at with getting the ball out quicker is um the period that you referred to earlier which was when they were running two minute or excuse me a two-point conversions and um er, not every one of them but many of those was a quick hitter where you know or there would be like you know uh, someone would run a slant and someone else would run, you know, some sort of underneath crosser, and it would either create a natural rub or, or you know, or the, create a, a challenging situation for the for the you know the inside defender to to follow his guy outside, et cetera. So there were three or four of those that were just like doop doop doop, and suddenly then Henderson was open and touchdown, you know. And um so I, I think that that was really interesting to see. So so we've got these these condensed formations that allow that bring the defense in and then allow guys to uh, get quickly to the perimeter we've got natural rubs which I and mean, you know rub routes which is something I th- I feel like we've been calling for for years it's like under the, in, under Garrett and under um and then and subsequently even under Linehan and then under uh Kellen Moore it felt like they just like the, their offensive philosophy wasn't using screening and and, and rubbing to get guys open and we'd see it all the time. We'd see the Cowboys struggle with it. And then the Cowboys would never do it. And I, I'm really happy to see them taking advantage of, of that um, as a way to get guys open quickly. And I think the thing that's really important about that is uh, a who knows what's going to happen with this offensive line. And so asking this offensive line, which, you know, we talked about all offseason. season, was not by some metrics a great or even good pass blocking offensive line to pass block for a longer developing plays with any frequency is probably not wise um and so you know they may be much better this year we don't know but you know i think as a general rule why ask them to to, to block longer more often than necessary um and also i think that some of these kind of plays are designed to do exactly what you talked about earlier dan which is to uh, create separation quickly hit a guy while he's in stride while he's ex- just while he's accelerating and give him an opportunity to get to get yak you know and there's i think that, that there's a lot of plays for hendershot that are intended to do that there's plays for Cooks, there's plays for turpin there's a lot of guys who are working underneath where they get open quickly and then you give them a chance to run and so the key to that i think is that in the years he's been with Kellen Moore, Dak has been really productive, but he hasn't always, sometimes he has, but he hasn't always had, you know, what um, other folks term the easy button. Like like give the guy a play where it's easy for him to do. He can do it every time. And every once in a while, that play will go for 40, you know, where if he's going, if he's throwing a 40 yard pass, it's like 35 yards in the air. And then a yard of yak, you know, it's really, really hard to, 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 um, you know, to make your hay that way. So, um, I'm pleased thus far with seeing the kind of underneath games they're, they're running to scheme guys open so that Dak can just like, you know, one, two, three, throw, you know, before the rush ever gets there and the ball's out and it's to a guy who has a, ch- a good chance to make a play because he's, he's, uh, he's already in space, you know, very quickly. Um, so that makes me really happy. And it leads me to the last of Mashota's. Categories, Which is protection. This is a really tough one because, you know, the, in training camp, the work is oftentimes so isolated. It's really, it, it, you know, oftentimes the, the, they'll break up the interior offensive linemen and then they'll have the tackles and tight ends working separately. And It's really hard to see, you know, what they're doing with protections. And also, you know, how does that factor in with the tight end? How does that factor in with, with anybody who's in the backfield, running backs, etc.? And so, you know, what it, it's really hard to see how protections work. But I think there's a couple pieces here that are, are worth noting. One is that the early word, and this may be, just, this is just what has come out and that we're f- fixated too much on it. But the early word is that is that protections are going to be changing largely for running backs, which le- leads us to think, oh, they're going to be blocking more, or, you know, keeping more guys in. Um, And the other, I think, speaks to what we were just talking about in terms of getting the ball out quickly, which is in terms of their protection schemes, are they going to change the scheme in subtle ways so that what they're really trying to do is make sure that guys can't get between Dak and the ball on those easy button plays, right? So I'd just love to hear from you what you think about, you know, given everything we've talked about, what, if anything, are they going to have to change in protection given that McCarthy said this is the number one change?
0: Yeah, it's it's hard for me to <clears throat> to really know you know what to expect in this area. I I mean, for starters, yeah. we don't even know what our our offensive line is going to consist of. Um, right. You know, and of course, we didn't. Zach Martin wasn't out there, and we saw Tyron you know Tyron Smith out on the, the on the the far field. You know, you know rehabbing and just you know, exercising. So I mean. Um, so we, got, we saw a lot of depth, guys, and so don't know how it's going to shape up. But I did want to say this. I, I just want to touch on this briefly because this seems to get tossed aside in every part of the conversation. And, you know, we have to not only trust our eyes and what we're seeing when when a player gets first-team reps, but also what a coach continues to say, and that is Josh Ball is going to be a part of the mix. And you, you, you see it in – you know, with him being out there, and, and, and you know, in Machado's article, I you know McCarthy speaks highly of mm-hmm. him. So, I, I think he's going to be your starting guard, starting left guard. I think because, I mean, depending on, well, he, he's going to be your next starting guard. I should, I should say that. I, I don't. If, if all thing if in the ideal situation you, know, you have you know Tyron and Terrence on the uh, on the edges and then and then Tyler Smith that you look but i do think Josh ball is going to is that next man so first off from a personnel situation i think that that's that's a real thing as far as how the how they're going to be utilized um i mean i don't really know and i, I will say this though as far as running backs i just feel like this this isn't the group that really inspires a lot of confidence in terms of pass protection. Protection. I mean, I mean, no Pollard's improved, but you, you, they lost their best pass protecting running back, and uh, these other, these other guys, they're they're just not very big physical guys. So I'm not sure how much help they're they're going to get there. So I don't know. What 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 do you think about this?
1: Uh, a couple things. One, I think um, you know the West Coast offense tra- traditionally likes to get people out in a route, so they're it's not a max protect type of scheme. Uh, I think that the, the the you can protect the quarterback in, in a couple different ways. However, right? So you can you can protect the quarterback by keeping a lot of guys in there and trying to get you know three guys deep, right? Uh, on a slower developing play, You make sure you have enough guys in there to block and to hold hold the line on a slower developing play. And the other is that you kind of you know do the Tom Brady scheme, which is one two three go, one two three go, and and the, the pass rush never has an opportunity to get to the quarterback because he's getting rid of the ball so quickly so that there's a way in which the the sort of uh, route combinations and the way in which you're scheming guys open becomes indirectly part of your protection scheme because it's it allows your offensive lineman on most plays to only have to basically engage with their guys quick guy quickly and so that then it really becomes a matter of how do I make sure I, I, I block this guy so that his hands stay down so he doesn't get between, you know, uh, between uh, Dak and and the receiver um, so that those quick passes uh, can happen quickly? I, so I, the other thought is really just that, and I totally agree with you, that this is a really hard thing to see, even if we had an opportunity to review film, because uh, protections are always um, you know, they're, they're, they're something that it takes a while to kind of figure out. And you have to watch a lot of offensive line play to get a sense of like, okay, when the defense does this, the offense tends to like shift, you know, shift its uh, its protection left or right, et cetera. I will say that this is one of the things that I really want to continue to watch for during the upcoming preseason games, and maybe even to the beginning of the the regular season, because I I do think that since McCarthy stressed it so much, I'm going to, for now, assume that he meant to stress it. And it's not just something that happens that he tossed off that he doesn't really mean uh, recognizing that's entirely a possibility. But if he's talking about wanting to that the number one change is in protections, I I'm going to spend more time trying to think about what does that really mean. So, um, as we look forward to the preseason games, and we're going to do a you know next week we'll do a preview of the first preseason game. Um, there's two things I'm going to be looking for. One is how, does does the protection look any different? Are, you know, are they predominantly in like sort of three step drops, much much sort of shorter shorter drops quicker hitting plays and the other of course is who's starting on the special teams because that's going to give us a lot of a lot of a sense of you know these kind of peripheral roster guys that, that we talked about last week with the great OCC on our podcast and you know what the, what the coaches think of them in the early going so um I think right now you know after after a number of practices and after having a chance to, to kind of zero in on, on some of the key changes um you know, as it should be, it feels like the watch word is okay. This just gives us a sense, not of any kind of like, you know, any clarity necessarily, but maybe it narrows the aperture. So we have a little bit better idea about what to look for. um, You know, how to fight through the noise because there's so much happening, you know, with all the guys shuttling in and out during the first couple of preseason games. It gives me a little bit more sense of like what I want to focus on. How about you, my friend?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, for sure. I, 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 I I personally love watching all the all those key position battles that I'm trying to map out and who's going to come out on top and stuff. But it's it's really hard when you have such a a mix and match of players with certain players not available, so you can't get a real sense of you know how things look when the whole band's mm-hmm. together. Uh, so that that makes that hard. But I I for me I'll just be looking at, at certain individuals and how how those individuals are playing uh, but i am super excited about that first preseason game you know you know how i am about preseason football i mean i, I probably an unhealthy amount of excitement goes towards that <laughs> but I just, I just i get more out of that than like practices and stuff because i mean you get you can see if, if someone's going to stick a guy or if they if, if or if they're, if it's a not true mistackle or just how elusive will Deuce be when somebody's actually trying to tackle you. So, you know, I, I, I'm really excited about that and I can't wait for that, but that is all we have for today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blog of the Voice podcast network. Leave us a rating, write a review, wherever your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think. Anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics, you know, what are you looking for at training camp? Or, you know, when is the last time something that just didn't go right for you? You know, you can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Phantom 24 and Rabs is at RabbleRouser spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart, so make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue, and we will catch you later. Pilgrimage
1: dismissed.